Welcome to the Law of Startups Podcast. I'm Mike Schneider. And I'm Joe Wallen. Uh, thank you for being with us today. Today, we're lucky to have on the show Mr. Brian Brewer. Uh, Brian, welcome to the show again. Hey, thank you very much, Joe and Mike. Uh, nice to be here. Yeah, so talk to us about what you've been working on and uh, you were going to share with us. And by the way, for the audience who doesn't know Brian, uh, Brian's a, a business plan coach consultant uh, in the Seattle area, has been so for a long time. It's helped a lot of people with their business plans and, and raising uh, angel money. So yeah, so let's uh, let's talk about it. Let's talk about this, Brian. What, what are you seeing these days in the marketplace? Well, what I, what I want to talk about today, Joe, was some of the common mistakes that I see that entrepreneurs make when they go out to raise angel funding, especially in their first round. You know, I've, okay. like you mentioned, I've been uh, here in Seattle helping entrepreneurs for oh, more than 15 years now, I think probably as long as you have been doing this. Um, and I just see, I just, you know, it just bugs me when I see these simple, correctable mistakes being made over and over again. So hopefully if we... If I can put some of this information out here, people can learn from it and avoid some of these pitfalls and get to their, you know, close their round faster. Yeah, yeah. So tell us what you see as the big mistakes uh, okay, well, founders this, this companies one, make. Yeah, the, the, the biggest one, and this, is, uh, this one continues to boggle my mind when I, continue, when I hear about it, is, and this is the number one complaint I get from investors, is that is the lack of follow-up with investors. Entrepreneurs um, will will go pitch at an event or pitch at a you know a one-on-one -on -one meeting with an investor, and they'll get an expression of interest, and then the investor just sits and waits and they don't hear back from the entrepreneur. And I, to me, this is just seems like a no-brainer for something, and I don't understand why entrepreneurs don't do this. But you know, you go to all this trouble to uh, make these contacts and give your pitch, and then you don't follow up. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. And what's a, what's a good before you move on to the next uh, the next example? Like, um, so what, what's a good? I mean, obviously the, the the easy way to follow up would be make a phone call or send an email. Say, hey, you know, it was great meeting with you. You know, can we talk again? But do you have any suggestions on good approaches that work well for follow up? Well, well, a couple things, Mike. One is just do it. I mean, it's just it's a, it's part of it is just developing the habit of good communication and follow up. Uh, a lot of times uh, entrepreneurs are so busy raising money they're on to the next pitch or the next meeting and they just it just they just slips their mind or they don't think about it or they get you know sometimes what happens is the entrepreneur feels like the investor is not that interested and so they just move on and that's a huge mistake because one of the things that you can do if you're a founder if you if you do have an investor that you pitch to and you don't and they're not really that interested uh, you can always talk to them and ask them for some referrals and say, hey, if since you're not interested in this deal, do you know anybody who might be? And at that that's a real key inflection point in the relationship with the investor because you have an opportunity to take advantage of their, you know, more or less guilt that they're not interested in your deal. And they will oftentimes refer you to other investors who might be interested. And it's just a, it's just a huge missed opportunity that I see a lot of times. The second uh, thing that I recommend is that if you're if you're a founder out there raising money, you, please use some kind of con, you know customer relationship management system, a CRM system, even if it's just an Excel spreadsheet, to keep track of who you've talked to, when, and to you know set triggers uh, or reminders to follow up with people over time. Uh, it, it's just. <clears throat> I mean, it, it still boggles my mind. I still hear investors say it today. They say, oh, 
this guy pitched to me the other last week and I still haven't heard back from him and it just leaves a bad taste in their mouth and you're and as a founder you're missing out on a big opportunity yeah I guess I guess I mean just I mean um, I suppose I think probably what happens to people is they just get really busy they're on to the next thing and then the, you're right I think it's pretty easy to not if you don't use a tool like a tracking tool like hey I talked to you know John on you know Wednesday August 18th if you don't use some sort of tracking tool um, and in Excel works just fine it's so easy to see how you, you could forget you just forget who you talk to or a month yeah. might go by and then you might feel bad or something yeah and so it's just it's it's just a question of uh, developing good communication habits and having a tool to keep track of who you've talked okay, to. Okay, so that was and, that was the biggest mistake, number one, I think, right? Yes. That's just failure to follow up. Okay, okay, what's number two? Well, let's see, number two, there's, it's, I mean, I'm not ranking these in, in necessarily in any particular order of importance, but uh, a lot of times, um, first-time entrepreneurs will come in, will, will come into a deal and they will have uh, an unrealistic pre-money valuation. It'll just be too high, and so, sometimes this happens um, because they get some bad advice from someone who's not really in, you know, who doesn't see a lot of angel deals, or they just they just get a little greedy and they think, well, I'm going to raise money and only give away five or ten percent of my company in the first round uh, when they don't have anything uh, special, um, and. You know, unless you have some kind of fantastic technology or real uh, super talented team, you really should aim for setting a pre-money valuation uh, that'll that'll give the investors, you know, approximately 30% ownership after the deal. Uh, you know, any and you that goes, you know, that's just a rule of thumb. You can go up or down depending on other factors. But if you come in with with a pre-money that's just too high it's just an immediate turnoff right so let's just take an example or something so say a company wants to raise a million dollars in a series seed financing um, you think that um, you know if the company has got uh, say four million shares outstanding to its founders and an option pool of say 600,000 shares uh, and want to raise a million bucks you're thinking that and let's just pretend we've got a three-founder team. Uh, none of them have done a start before. It's uh, they have they have a it's a good team. Um, they've got a, a unique uh, product and technology idea, but there's no revenue yet. You're thinking the pre-money valuation of that company should be something like you know four, three and a half, four million, maybe three million. I don't know. I don't know. Somewhere in that range. It really varies. In that range. Yeah. I'd say between three and four million, and 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 the. And how you determine whether it's three or four million just depends on other factors. Um, for example, if if it's a really good team and if you've got a solid uh, prototype and you're just and you're ready to go to market and you've got some some kind of customer validation, then you could you could demand a higher valuation, you know, up the upper range of that. Um, if it's you know if you're still untested and you got more product development to do, then it would probably be on the lower end of the range. It also varies uh, depending on the geography. If you're raising money in Silicon Valley, you, you can typically get higher valuations. Uh, it's also, you know, there's a lot more money down there. There's also a lot more people looking for money too, so the competition is fierce. Um, it can also, you know, another factor could be whether is your sector. You know, if you're if you're 
if you're raising money in a sector that's really hot and it's getting a lot of traction in the media and from other investors, then then you can sometimes use that as leverage to get a higher pre-money valuation. Right. Okay. So that's mistake number two. Too high of a pre-money, too high of a valuation. What's uh, mistake yeah. number three? Well, one one other comment about that about the pre-money is that it's also it's a mistake I see occasionally, not nearly as often as high valuation, but sometimes founders will come in with a low valuation, Ooh. and it's just you know they, they're they'll where they give away fifty percent of their company in the first round, and that's just not uh, that's not that's not good for anybody. It's not good for the founders because it disincentivizes them to be successful. It's also not good for the uh, the you know the the investors don't like that either because they want the founders to have the incentive to succeed. Founders aren't going to do the work. I mean, the investors aren't doing the work. They're just providing the money. It's the founders who have to put in the sweat to make this happen. And they want to make sure that the founders have enough skin in the game to make it worth their while. So, gotcha. so yeah, going on to other, other, um, other common mistakes that I see. Um, this is uh, oftentimes in when I'm, in a, uh, a pitch presentation with a group, um, and there will be some printed materials as well as the pitch deck that's being displayed on the screen where the entre where the founder is pitching to the group. There will be discrepancies in the data. In other words, uh, it, it just founder is just not paying enough attention to detail to make sure that, uh, especially the the projections to make sure that the ones you have on the slide on the screen are the same as the ones in your handout or handouts and there can be multiple versions of the handouts so that's it's kind of a challenge because you're oftentimes you uh, as a founder you're you're massaging your projections and changing them uh, based on you know the latest feedback you've gotten but it's really important to keep your materials up to date and and consistent because when you when you have the difference in data and not not just in projections but any other kinds of data if you have differences in the story you're telling well it just raises a, a, a slight issue in the mind of an investor well what's the problem here are they are they not clear on their details or are they not paying attention to details or are they different stories it's just uh, if you're not uh, being coherent in in your messaging it, it, it raises a, a kind of a I wouldn't say a red flag but kind of a yellow flag okay all right. Well, that's good advice. Uh, what's how about, how about number four or number four and a half? I'm not sure what number we're on. Well, now, four. <laughs> um, yeah, this one also has to do with uh, with your numbers uh, and your key performance indicators. Uh, and this oftentimes an, a, a CEO will be presenting to uh, uh, an investor or a group, and they and they will not have the necessary uh, knowledge or uh, familiarity with some of the key metrics in their financial model uh, you know not all not all CEOs are financial wizards and they some of them depend on other people to you know, create the uh, projections and there's no, no problem with that it's just that the the CEO needs to understand what's in those numbers and so if a if an you know if, if an investor asks you during a during a pitch uh, or at the Q&A part you know like what about your um, cost of goods or your gross margin and and how does you know what happens if that changes and if, if you can't address that in a in a reasonable way it, it raises a lot of issues um, 
you you know it's just that it, it it's a really important for a CEO to understand what the key levers are what are the key metrics in their business model and and different businesses have different uh, key metrics and and so a lot of times I see CEOs that just aren't that familiar with it or don't know how to talk about it and that that's a red flag for investors that's a good one so far these have all been great what's your next one on your list <laughs> all right well I'm doing most of the talking but that's that's okay <laughs> um, Let's see. Um, oh, here's one. Uh, and this doesn't happen very often, but when it does, it's catastrophic. And that's when uh, a CEO uh, tries to bluff or even outright lie. Um, I don't, like I say, I don't see this very often, especially the lying. That just, you know, you're in this game of raising angel funding, your your credibility is your stock and trade, and you have to be scrupulous about your integrity and your with your words. Um, so I don't really see people in, very much intentionally misleading, but I do see sometimes a, a CEO will try to bluff their way through a question, and 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 it be you know unless you're uh, an accomplished actor, uh, most CEOs can't do this very well, and so it's. You know they'll try to hem and hard, maybe maybe pull some bogus number out of the air that they they don't they know is not real. Um, what by far the best response uh, when you get a question that you don't know the answer to is to just simply say you don't know. There's no there's no shame or or problem in saying that you don't know something. I mean even if it is something that could be uh, critical to your your core business. Uh, if you don't know it or you're not aware of it, then fess up and say so. And yeah, it seems like that's a perfect opportunity to say, "Hey, let me let me think about that and let me get back to you." Exactly, Joe. And it's a it's a, again, it's a great opportunity to to you, you you say, you know, the CEO can say to the person asking the question, you know, "Hey, I don't know that, but I'm going to find out and I'll get back to you. So can I get your card right after this meeting, and so I can get back to you with that answer." Then you, hey, have, you have a yeah. Then you have perfect excuse to follow up with somebody who you might have otherwise felt uncomfortable following up with. It, hey, one one, exactly. one thing, yeah. One one question I have for you. Um, one thing I've seen uh, some companies uh, do, Brian, and I think it's pretty smart. Although I don't think it's very common practice. Uh, although I like your opinion on how smart you think it is. But um, what they do is they um, they say to the people who are interested, maybe they're at a, a pitch event or somebody, and they meet somebody. Maybe somebody writes their name down on a, you know, hey, I'd like more information sheet or something. And then they right. create an email distribution list. And um, I mean, you've got to be careful about this because you can't, you know, broadly distribute your, you know, the fact that you're trying to raise money to a bunch of people. However, you could provide, um, you know, business updates to people. Say, hey, I want to update you as to what happened in the last, you know, quarter with our business and provide some, um, you know, obviously you want to stamp the thing confidential and you want to spill anything super secret. but I've seen some companies do this to to uh, it seems like good effect. Have you have you seen some other things, Brian? You mean in, in so the, your question is about doing some kind of structured uh, follow up communication about news about the business? Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's an that's that's a that actually plays into one of the other mistakes that I was going to uh, okay. mention, okay. and that is that is not it is not having a strategy about how you're going to raise money. Uh, I mean. Fun, raising angel money is a, is, a, is essentially a sales process, and you have to treat it like a 
you know, you're, you're, you've got a you've got a product you're selling that's stock in your company or the right to buy, you know, convert a note into stock. You have a price. You've set a pre-money valuation and how much you're raising. You you know, you you set up a sales funnel, uh, target your customers, uh, and create a sales campaign and manage the funnel. And one of the key elements in creating uh, interest in a buyer is the sense of urgency. And one or or the, and one way to do that with investors is to create the you know is to create a sense that hey this train is leaving the station and if you want to be a part of this deal you, you know you have to things are happening fast here and you better jump on board soon and the way to do that is to plan ahead before you start your fundraising process is to plan for a series of two or three or four key milestones that you can announce over this pro, over the um, the course of your fundraising campaign, which might be anywhere from three to six months, or sometimes longer. Uh, generally, that's about uh, three to six months is about the amount of time it takes for a, a campaign to raise a first round. And have these milestones set up in advance, even if you have, to, even if you've already done it, don't announce it until you know. Put it, announce it at key points so that you can have a reason to follow up with people you've met with before who are on the fence or maybe not quite interested and have these you know it's just like it's it's creating a campaign it's being a, a, a savvy salesperson and using uh, marketing to your advantage so that's so yes follow-up with information about your company the news updates you know you can do that on a monthly basis uh, it's it's better to do it I think when you have something important to announce uh, and, and make that the lead in your email and don't make the email too long either because um, you know only make it to two or three paragraphs but you know don't bury the lead in the bottom of your email if you've got something new to announce say we have a new partner or we've reached a new milestone in terms of uh, beta customers or uh, or we've or we're whatever whatever your milestone is make that the announcement make it exciting and and create the impression that hey this is moving forward and we, you know, it's, you know, if you want to be on board, you better act fast. Gotcha. Yeah, we okay. have, um, I have a, there's a founder that we met with on the show um, who, who is really good at this. Um, I, I think I, I expressed some interest in the company and, and so I ended up on the mailing list that he has where he does updates about his company and his updates are really great. Um, it, it's not just big announcements. I don't know how you feel about this. It, it seems like a good approach to me. His announcements or his emails come periodically and they have, great detail about uh, the level of sales, how many new customers, uh, revenue, amount of money in the bank. I mean, he's very transparent about where the business is mm -hmm. and, um, and to, you know, so that he can demonstrate the growth. And it makes it makes the, um, you know, when, when he says my business is growing quickly, you should get in, involved. It's it's a, it feels like it's very backed up by facts because you've got weeks and weeks of, um, of update emails where it's showing, okay, well, we, we've, we sold more this month, this week than last week or this month than last month. It's, it's really great. Um, it's, right, it's, it's a lot more detailed than just announcements, but it's, it makes you feel like you've got real visibility into the business. That's the way you do it. And if you want to put more detail in your, uh, you know, in your updates, I think that's great and be as transparent as, as you want to be. Um, my, my only point is don't, if you have something interesting to announce, make sure that's the first thing you lead with. It's the subject of your email and the f in, and, and in the first, uh, you know, 
paragraph. You you can follow it with as much detail as you want. No, I, you you understand. You saw that. You see this in action, and you see how effective it is. Yeah, well, it definitely um, you know made me feel like I could hear more about the business without it, it answers a lot of questions you have over the time by looking at the emails without having to to ask questions and maybe express interest that isn't there yet you know what i mean like right. you, you know as a as a potential investor sometimes you hesitate to ask a lot of questions because you don't want to you don't want to um if, if it's something you kind of don't think you'll ever invest in but you're interested in it it's hard to ask those questions because you're kind of leading the the um the founder on and you might find that they're more aggressively asking you for money um, so, so a, a newsletter is a nice way to convey that information to people without them having to, um, I don't know, express any interest at all, uh, other than that they'd like to hear more. Um, oh, I agree, Mike. I agree. And another thing that you could do in that in those follow-up uh, announcements is to say, say, um, here, here are the here are three questions I received recently from interested investors, and you can, you know, you can do it almost like an FAQ, you know, and list the question, and then what's the answer. And then that does uh, two things. It provides additional information to someone like you who, who is not sure if they're interested or not. But it also conveys the subtle message that, yes, I am talking to more investors and that there's, there's momentum for this deal. And, and it, also, it, it provides a certain amount of social proof um, that, yes, there are other investors interested in this deal. Um, it's, it's, a key, it's a key part of being successful at raising funding. Interesting. Well, this has been great so far. So what else is on your mind? I've got written down here a bunch of really great tips for people or things to remember, sure. or things not to do. And we're at number six. <laughs> no pressure. Well, but didn't we didn't say 10. <laughs> well, I did. Well, we've already we, we put in this fundraising strategy as an extra. And we'll call that number six. So, um, okay. so number seven would be uh, not and this has to do with the pitch and this is having having a lackluster pitch in other words the CEO gets up there and just tells the facts uh, and the there's I think there there are two really most important goals to strive for when you're giving a pitch and the the first one is clarity make sure that you are keeping your pitch simple and to the point and that and keep it you know explain things in a way so that most anybody could understand the basics of your business so many pitches go off the rails because they go uh, they get into too much detail or they don't set up the the you know the the story with the right facts or the right background and numerous times I've had investors walk away from a pitch shaking their head say I have no idea what that company does and and that's just a you know and and when in fact they are probably a good company they just haven't taken the the time or haven't gotten the help they need to tell a really clear story about their company the second goal to strive for in a pitch is to create some kind of emotional excitement or uh, impact with the story about your business uh, and this is you know I've, I've worked with numerous entrepreneurs helping helping them with this and often they'll say well I, there's nothing exciting that exciting about my business but I help them dig a little deeper and find something find some uh, some way to convey some emotional appeal like you could tell the story of how you came up with the idea of your business and and focus you know how you focus on the problem that you're solving 
um, that those stories you know like I hey one day I was noticed that I kept doing this thing and all of a sudden I realized there could be a better way and I you know so I went and created this that that's kind of a story um, will will stay with uh, investors and so much of the challenge for raising money is just to be remembered um, you can also in in this context you can also relate a customer success story about someone who's benefited or would benefit from your product or service. The whole customer uh, experience story is, is another good way to, uh, you know, give some more emotional appeal or punch to your pitch. Interesting. Okay. So number seven, having a lackluster pitch. Totally get it. Right. You got to tell, you got to tell a story that has, that you just got to yeah. tell a good story. Yeah, and, and uh, some of the best pitches I've seen use props in, in an effective way, you know, where mm -hmm. you th th have physical props. to. And you, only, you should only do this if it makes sense. If it's just gratuitous, it kind of irritates people. But if you've got a real way that you can show something and, and you know, get it, get it Im embedded in somebody's uh, memory, that's half the battle so that they'll remember who you are. Mm -hmm. So the next, the next uh, let's go to number eight. <clears throat> This one I would I would call having a, would say having an arrogant attitude. Um, investors are looking for what I would call a coachable learner, um, and you know, y y you know my advice to CEOs is yes you you know a lot but you don't know it all, and if and you should be humble enough to learn from others and and don't be arrogant about your you know your your attitude or your responses to people. It's it's. Uh, I see it occasionally, and and boy, when when a when a CEO gives, you know, comes off kind of arrogant, and especially when they're answering a question from an investor, I can just see the the energy in the room just kind of drop. I say, uh oh, here's here's somebody who knows it all, and I'll just move on to the next deal. Okay. All right. Well, that makes good sense. Yes. What else you What else you got for us here? That's number All eight. All right, a couple couple more. <clears throat> One would be uh, not not focusing uh, on the most important question on the mind of an investor, which is what's in it for me. If you're going to sell something, there has to be a reason to buy it and a benefit. And the um, the what what way what what this often plays out as is the is the CEO will talk all about their product and or their market and they won't talk about how they're going to make money and have an exit and uh, you know have a return for the investor and it's it's you know some sub CEOs just aren't focused on that but if you if they would learn to put themselves in the mind of the investor in order in other words to put on to put on their investor hat as I call it that's the number one question is this how am I going to make money on this deal and and you can't you can't do you know you have to tell about your product and your business and how it's going to grow and succeed, but don't neglect this at, especially at the end. Uh, so I, I've seen that sometimes where they just you know it's kind of a an afterthought almost. And when in when in the mind of the investor, it's the most important thing. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's a really good one too. These have all been great. So that was number nine. Do you do you have ten? I've got one. I've got number ten here. Yeah. Okay. Um, and this is uh, this would this was what I would say not, is not having a fundable company. This okay. is 
see uh, I see entrepreneurs sometimes go out there to try to raise money and they're just they're too early they don't have enough of the uh, critical mass in the in the key areas of their you know product market fit or their business model or their market strategy or their team or the deal they they're, they're they're just deficient in one of those key air one or more of those key areas and if if they go out and try to raise money investors just not going to take them seriously because they're just not ready they don't have enough of the enough of the right stuff to appeal to investors and uh, you know this is this is a segue into you know the product that I created the the minimum fundable company test which is a way to uh, an entrepreneur can go take this free test it's online at mfctest.com and get an you know answer the 20 questions and, and it'll give you a, a score and give you an idea are, are you fundable yet now it doesn't mean that if you <coughs> receive a fundable score that you're going to raise money that's a whole different uh, uh, proposition but it'll give you an indication that yes you're you've got it you're far enough along in the main areas that uh, you you know investors will take you seriously investors aren't expecting uh, you to have everything perfect there is no perfect startup um, but if you don't have enough of the right stuff you'll you'll just won't be you won't get much traction and you kind of can uh, blow your uh, you know your opportunities with investors if you go too early so anyway I encourage people listening if you're interested go check it out mfctest.com yeah well, this has been great Brian this has been really I think I mean, this is a really good list I'll uh, I'll write this down so that uh, when we post the blog when we post this podcast people can can um, can see the list but now that's that's a great list and I appreciate your um, coming on the show to talk about it I um, yeah, I think for a lot of people, just, you know, raising money is um, frequently it's um, folks who haven't done it before. And it's just it's hard when you haven't done anything before. Um, exactly. So it's 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 really it's really helpful to have somebody who has done it before help you <laughs> if you are going to you know try to do it. So you're out there to help well, people. That... So how do people get a hold of you, Brian, if they want to if they want to? Well, uh, just uh, you, best way is to go take the MFC test. You'll get on my mailing list that way. And okay. then also my my website is uh, fundingquest.com. It's funding-quest.com. Okay. So, okay. and I offer an array of services, and, and you can go to the website and and see <clears throat> who I am and see about me, and, and I'd love to hear from entrepreneurs who need some help. Yeah, that's great. Well, again, Brian Brewer, thanks very, very much for being on the show. And if you want to get a hold of Brian, uh, Brian, one more time, give people your email address. Oh, my email address is Brian, B-R-Y-A-N, at funding-quest.com. Okay. Great, Brian. Hey, um, uh, Mike, do you have anything else to chime in here? No, about? no. Thanks, thanks for being on the show, Brian. This has been great. Oh, it's my pleasure. Uh, thank you, Joe and Mike, and uh, have a great day. All right. And everyone else, thanks for listening. We'll see everybody next week.